Welcome. We are your hosts for Bitches Be Brave. This is Heather Hobbs. And this is Bev Steele. And together we are everyday working women trying to raise a family, succeed at our careers, stay fit and healthy, and still look hot. It's our hope to address the issues that we deal with every day and to bring you the knowledge and information from the top experts so that together we can truly thrive and experience wellness in all dimensions of life. And because we care, please remember the thoughts, comments, and advice of this podcast and our guests do not substitute medical advice and you should consult your doctor before starting any new program. And we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at bitchesbebrave at bitchesbebrave.com or visit our website, bitchesbebrave.com or Instagram at bitchesbebrave. Welcome. It is episode 28 and we are here today. We're going to be interviewing Susan Axelrod and it's a good one, guys. It's a good one. It is really good. Susan actually called me out and that was such a good point. She called us both out a lot, I thought, but it was good, like in a great way. Yeah. She's, yeah. The way she calls you out, you feel good about it after. You're like, yeah, I could hold on to that. (laughs) So she, I love when people can, you know, see through, see through the, the, the words and see through the actions and just kind of call you out with what is real. And I think that's what she was really doing. And she gives good approaches. I mean, she tells her story, which I don't want to give it away. Um, but of just kind of hitting rock bottom and how she learned and different tools and different methods that she learned to bring herself back up. And certainly something I can relate with at this point in my life of just being in that just funnel of craziness, you know, and trying to figure out how can I just be happy and put myself as a priority. Yeah. And I just loved how she acknowledged the podcast that we have done and the people that we've interviewed and that we're all in this crazy and really how, how can we make the change and just not go along and say, Oh yeah, this is just the way life is. Right. Cause we, we tend to do that. And I think, you know, you and I, we talked about this on the podcast today too, um, in the interview that it is interesting when you really are intentional about something, how much of an impact it can have on your life. And that you and I really went into this year being more intentional than I think we have in a lot of other past years. And the things that have really come to be because of that is pretty astonishing. I know. And if we add to that breathing, and opening up, if you physically open up, oh, that felt so good when we did that with her. <laughs> well, so, I know. Because I find myself not breathing a lot of times. I just like get in such a high panic mode of- Yeah, so you're doing these short breaths <laughs> before you crash and burn. Yeah. Or like giant size. I'm always doing that. Someone's like, God, you're stressed. I'm like, yes, I do these like, <sighs> you know, but. All right. So breathe, Heather. Breathe. And here it. we go. Here we go. We are here with Susan Axelrod today. And Susan is a Sherpa for women, guiding them over life's treacherous terrain. With humor and wisdom gained from decades of self-exploration, she enthralls her audiences with her authentic revelation. She connects on a deeply human level, helping every person get to be okay, which is her main her main philosophy and her base for teaching for living a calm and joyful life. 
Susan is a radio show host. She's an author, a motivational speaker, a coach, wife, and mom. And she helps her clients uncover the inspired soul within them who's looking to live out their second half of life in a self-fulfilling and purposeful way. And we're so excited to talk to you today, Susan. And I have to tell you, that was one of the lines that caught me when I first read about you and, you, and I first saw you was um, that your focus is really on those women kind of in that second part of life. And I'm in that second part of life. So, <laughs> bing, bing. Um, <laughs> so I'm, we're so excited to talk to you today. And I, I just would love to know, you know, how, what brought you here and what brought you into this mission that you and the work that you're doing today? Well, thank you so much. I honestly feel so humbled to be here. I've been listening to your podcast and to your guests, and I've been very moved. And I've started telling everyone, download them for your walks. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to thank you for having me. So it all started when, <laughs> once upon a time, I got up one day. I put on a uh, royal blue wool skirt and a fuchsia pink top. And I went about my morning routine, which involved children, dogs, and getting people to various places and getting myself to work. And I got to my office that day and I sat there and I knew that I wasn't really feeling okay. I didn't know, you know, what was going on. And then all of a sudden I started crying. I just started crying and oh my gosh, you guys, I'm serious. Right in this moment, I can feel that emotion because you guys are closer to that stage. I was in my early thirties, um, I believe at that time. And I could feel the emotion of our listeners really um, about to understand my story. So I started crying and I was sitting at my desk like, what's this? What's happening here? Why am I crying? And I kind of tried to take some breaths and tried to stop crying and I couldn't stop crying. And I didn't know what to do. <laughs> it was just sort of, it wasn't like sobbing, but it was just, you know, the tears coming down and I was kind of breathing heavily. And um, I walked into my boss, who was a woman who was I don't know, some number of years older. I don't know how much older, she was much older than I was. And she looked at me and here's what women bosses do, the good women bosses. She did this, she put her hands up in the air and she was like, okay, what's happening here? And I was like, I don't know, I don't know what's happening. I can't stop crying. And she said, okay, you want me to call your mother or your husband? Mm. <laughs> You know, there was no shame. There was no nothing. It was just like, who do we call? How do we support this? And so I, um, I, I was working in a hospital administration office and I ended up going to the nurse and going home and I ended up in bed for 10 days. And I was having a little bit of a breakdown. I really do refer to it as a nervous breakdown. Um, it was a, a major anxiety episode. Um, I had had a little bit of anxiety and depression, but it was never elevated. It was more like around our wedding and you know, all the normal stuff of, you know, a lot of stuff, important stuff going on. But I had never really experienced anxiety like this before. And so that's what happened. I ended up in bed for 10 days. I lost my peripheral vision. 
site, if you right now, you know, you can, you have peripheral vision, you can see out of the, you know, sides of your eyes. So for me, it was all great around there. And so I ended up in bed. I, I was in therapy. I was seeing a social worker. I could not get a hold of my social worker. And um, even though my husband's a psychologist, he's not a psychologist at home. So a day or two later, I'm writing in my journal. I'm in bed having a nervous breakdown. And my five-year-old, you know, Rebecca is here with me. What's wrong with this picture? Yeah. And so I've been listening to your podcasts and I've heard, you know, I can't really tell your voices apart, but I've heard you guys, you know, sort of talk about these stories of, you know, doing everything and, and more than everything. Um, and that's what was happening in my life. From that time to this, I have been on a journey of one very simple thing. And that thing was just wanting to feel better. It's not the most profound thing. I didn't even know about joy. I just wanted to feel better. And that is how I started. That's how my journey got started. And then um, I'm going to stop and let you ask me any questions. But I have lots of tools and more to say about that. Yeah. I'm just curious. I, I mean, it's, that's so, it's so fascinating. I've certainly myself felt many times, like I'm on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And I always wonder, like, you know, do you know that it's coming? Cause you made it sound like very, you woke up and you did what you do and you're doing this routine. I mean, had, did you feel it coming on? Had things been especially hard at that point in your life where, you know, you came to this point and just said, okay, major changes need to happen. Um, I guess, you know, explain because I think so many women, you find yourself, you just go, 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 go. And to hear and you know I so I love your honesty about this and um, you know how how did you feel did you feel that coming on and and what do you, you know, think it's really a, yeah it's a good question I know what you're asking but I don't really know how to answer it you know it's funny because my journey is so beautiful and precious and amazing I'm in such a place right now that it's hard for me to go back there except that thing just happened before when I said I could feel that emotion in me Having said that, I will say that I was a classic type A personality. I did suffer all the things that type A's suffer. Yeah. You know, I, I had uh, perfectionist tendencies and I lived in such a way as, uh, you know, that the external had to approve. You know, there was no internal for me. You know, I had to, you know, live up to society's expectations, my parents' expectations, et cetera. So I had had a feeling for a long time of stress and pressure in that way. But I didn't know that what an anxiety attack felt like. I didn't know what a panic attack felt like. Um, and, uh, and, and today I have so many tools that I use that I really, I, I, I do have them every now and then. They're very small and very, very short. Um, and I can tell when they're coming on. So I use breath as a tool now. But then I mocked people who talked about breath. <laughs> so really being open, you know, to answer your question, do you know when it's coming on or how can you know when it's coming on? Being in awareness, and we can talk more about this, being in awareness, you know, we took that breath before we started and we lifted our bodies up and sat up straight. These are some of the simplest, easiest things to do to be in awareness about it. 
Yeah. And I think that so many times we just keep going until something major like that happens. I mean, last year I had got the shingles, then I got a twitch in my eye and I said, okay, (laughs) I need to listen to these little messages because you try to do everything. And I've heard, oh, you, you do so much, you get so much done. And I think, oh my gosh, I'm always one step ahead of crashing and burning, you know? So to listen to that before something major happens. Right, so you guys are part of the answer right now. This podcast, you know, two regular people, which I guess is your goal here, two Mm -hmm. regular women dealing with all of this, coming on, speaking honestly yourselves. As I said, I've listened to your, you know, other podcasts. And and then sharing with others, just uh, giving them permission um, and so somebody, one of you just said that, you know, about my honesty, um, I'll speak honestly about everything, including sex and marriage. Okay. <laughs> because I learned early on in my life that most people don't speak honestly about these things. So that's one of the reasons I really do share this honestly. But do you guys know what I mean? I really want to say this and I want our listeners to understand also these podcasts, I'm doing air quotes, you know, because the people can't see me. These podcasts (laughs) are very important to expose and enlighten and support and uplift others. It is. I think that it's just Heather and I just talked when we had the dream of starting this is just we talked all the time. We think, are we the only two that are like this? Because we hadn't met other women and and through the interviews and this podcast, we found like, wow, this is like really not talked about, um, but we need to. Yeah, and that's what my books are about, honestly. That's really how my first book came about, um, was that I was just willing to talk about this. Um, something magic happened um, when I started um, writing a lot and opening myself Um, Remember, I was just telling you guys about the tool of just saying to yourself, I allow it to be, I open and allow. And so one of the things as women, you know, assertive people in life, you know, making things happen is we, we, there's energetic blocks in us and we block, like I'm putting my hands up and blocking, you know, we block the allowing of being okay. And so um, I will tell you guys also that part of the magic of my journey was that I um, really, after the getting a feeling better idea, that I honestly, truly, really just wanted to feel better than this. And I learned what affirmations are. Um, I've listened to your podcast and I think somebody did talk about affirmations, but I will say that affirmations are a brief, positive declaration. And I learned about affirmations from um, Louise Hay. I used affirmations over and over. Honestly, I will just, between the three of us here, tell you, I think I saved my marriage through a long affirmation. (laughs) I really did. I swear I I set this long affirmation about how I wanted to be. And um, so these are uh, more tools that people can use, uh, as well as sharing and revealing their truth. So you have so many great, um, first I want to say your book is, is the title is your job is to be, and it's fantastic. And I think you have a yeah, really, I'm to that a little bit. Want to go 
story. You, you had this breakdown. You found out, uh, you, you said, look, I'm on this journey. I want to feel better. I want to find joy. So where did you start? Because, you know, there's a lot in here that I, I think is so good about, you know, positivity and words, you know, how important words matter. Um, but where did you start? And, you know, what would be the first tool? So if somebody right now is listening to this and they are like, this is me, I'm crying as I'm listening to this in this, you know, nervous breakdown. What are, what are some of the first steps and take us through kind of what got you to joy? Okay. There's two first steps and they're both first. <laughs> so I, I, they're both even. I wanted to, I was going to answer with one, but I learned that two of them are important. So in no priority order between one and two, they're both the same. I want to talk about your breath. Honestly, in those days, I mocked spirituality, I mocked um, new age thinking, I mocked, you know, when people talk about your breath, I was like type A business, getting on with life, you know, everything was concrete. And, um, but I really did learn of the power and the value of being able to take a breath. So right now in this minute, let's everybody just take a deep breath in. Lift all the way up and blow it out. See? <laughs> just, uh... that, just that one thing, okay? So yeah. you ask, where do you start? For anyone who's listening today, do that. Take a breath. Take a deep breath all the way in and then blow it out. And yes. do that over and over because for people like us, we're losing oxygen to our brains because we're in shallow breathing. Because yes. when you're running, running, running all the time and you're striving, 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 you get into this shallow breathing space. I could even feel it here now because you guys are high achieving people. And so yeah. am I, by the way. But <laughs> and it's so yeah. easy for me to lapse back into that. But we want to open up the countenance, open up the body structure, bring the shoulders back and down, take a deep breath in. So to answer your question, number one, find your breath. Now, equally, another number one is this, the magic that transforms my entire life. It's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing, but it's true that um, it's, the um the idea that you can think a thought mm -hmm. with intention and commitment okay so let me let me just talk about this for a second you're asking me what's the first thing that you can do become aware of the thoughts that are in your head and right now because i feel energy like i feel like i could drill down into the minds of these two high achieving women doing a lot of things and i could see like a listing of all the things that have to get done, even though you're right here and now with me. We just have a lot to do, right? There's a lot on our plates. So the what I went from um, through therapy, by the way, when I had my breakdown, I actually, um, I didn't go on meds right away, but I did start with a psychiatrist in talk therapy. Um, and one of the things that I credit him with helping me um, to do was to go from a human doing to a human being. Mm -hmm. And that's another way that I could say to people who might be listening, feeling the emotion rise up in them, hearing themselves or feeling themselves in this discussion, 
is say I'm a human being, not a human doing. And that's how the title of my book came about, Your Job Is to Be. I love love that. I do too. Susan, you talk a lot about confidence. And I mean, I really even think just talking about your intention and commitment brings a little bit of confidence just because you're, you're stating it, correct? Yes. Can you talk a little bit about how important confidence is and, and how you would help us to find ours? Yes, so this was a surprising for me. Well, everything about my journey has been totally surprising and totally fun, but this, this caught me unaware. This, this came at me. I'm lucky and blessed. I grew up in a, you know, what would definitely be considered a privileged life. I was so lucky to come from a, a good family and, you know, go to good schools and I went to a good college. I mean, I lived a really great life and I really hated on myself so much for why was I having so many, you know, so much drama personally when I had such a seemingly good life. And various people along the way would say, your problems are yours. You know, your problems are real and your problems are yours. But I've always been um, self-confident because I think I came from a nice, you know, functional life, as functional as families can be, of course. And so I've always had a sense of um, high self-esteem and high self-confidence. However, it manifested in ego for me and arrogance. And I struggled with that and I suffered from that. People would intimate or indicate that about me. And I felt that about myself. In my journey to come, <laughs> I, um, I had many conversations with my ego and many conversations, you know, giving my ego permission to sort of step aside so that my soul could come through. As my soul, as I discovered my soul, as I opened up and allowed the possibility that God existed and that I actually had a soul, you know, there was a, a soul, a breathing, feeling, you know, passionate soul inside me. I became confident in a way that exuded organically. And then people would say to me, I feel so much more confident when I speak to you. So the confidence comes, in my opinion, the confidence comes from your soul space. And when our soul space is covered by doing, by ego, by stuff, and by crap, you know, that we tell ourselves, this, the negative talk, the limiting beliefs, you know, all those expressions, yeah. your soul is, you know, kind of covered up or suppressed a little bit. And, and it, in my conversations with people that just sort of started happening organically, even becoming a coach was never a plan for me. I never, I never thought about it. I, I didn't really know anything about it. It came to me organically as I uncovered my own soul. And so that is my answer. Is your confidence, it comes up from your soul space being revealed. Do you, does that, does that mean something when I say it to you? It does. It does, but I think I think so many times, and I know. Um, I mean, I'm probably one of the worst with bad self talk. Like it's, and I loved. You know, you had an exercise in the book where you recommended that you write down those negative things that you say to yourself, and you literally cross them off and replace them with positive self talk. And you know, that was it's a really good exercise. But I'm like 
oh my, and I remember you said, it doesn't have to be long. It's just a couple. I'm like, oh my God, I could write a book on the negative ones, you know, but, um, but I think, you know, how do you, I feel like that take, that takes a long time to probably get to that point where you're really like becoming conscious of the negative talk and replacing it with positive talk. Yes. Yeah, so um, and then to exude that. It can either take a long time or it can happen instantly. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this brings me back to the idea of the fact that you can, you know, that you have thoughts that you can control. And yes, it does take practice and practice I did. I did that exercise, all of my work, all of my coaching, the reason I am having the success that I have is that I, everything is organic to me. I don't, you know, try to do anything that I don't know about. And mm -hmm. so I did that exercise. I thought you were going to also talk about my what if positive exercise, <laughs> another amazing exercise where instead of all the what if the negative things happen, what if this happens, what if that happens, what if this doesn't happen, what if that doesn't happen, you reframe everything to say, well, what if fill in a positive oriented thought here happens. And so getting, I really want to talk about this. I became aware of my thoughts and that's what it's about. And that's what's happening to you reading my book. And even in the questions that you're asking me, I can hear it. So get it becoming aware of what these thoughts are that are racing through your head all the time. The what if negatives, the not enoughness, you know, all of those things, all of that is what is covering up your soul. And it's like beating down. It's like holding down your soul. She is in there and she is yearning to come out. The fact that you found me somehow and we're having this conversation is that is your soul attracted me here. Mm -hmm. And so does it take practice? Yeah, so does the piano. <laughs> so does <laughs> cooking, right? So go ahead, become aware of your thoughts, write them down. Journaling can support this. Pod, these podcasts can support this speaking with a friend praying if you pray going out in nature walking breathing getting quiet listening to what's going on in your mind and breathing and giving yourself a break that's how you kind of move forward through this yeah and for me it's also not not so much the negative talk or thoughts it's the thoughts of things that i know i should be doing and I squash them for whatever reason, whether it be, you know, my, a dream I'm pursuing, a fitness goal I have, something that I know that we should be doing as a family and squashing that. And then once you, I do that, that's really, then that's where the confidence goes, I think. When you take a step in the direction to those thoughts, that's where the confidence grows for me. Okay. So I want to talk about the shoulds. Um, and the, I want to um, talk about time. Okay. I lived that life. How many, how many uh, times and experiences did I ruin by the shoulds, by having this picture of how something should look? You know, I can tell you right now, again, I'll just reveal this. I remember early in our marriage, we were going to a place to a bed and breakfast type place. I think it was before the kids. And I had this, you know, fairy tale picture of, oh, we're going away for the weekend and it should be this and that and the other thing. Then my husband, why, I don't know, decided that we would stop and see friends of the kids whom I didn't really know that well. And it's like my weekend, <laughs> this whole thing. 
And it was so far from the picture in my mind of what it should look like, you know, what I wanted it to look like, what it should be, what we needed it to be. And then I got irritable. I sulked. <laughs> and then, you know, fortunately, we did pull it out in the end. But that I, I experienced that. So one thing that I want to say to you is make time your friend. With the dreams that you have, with the dreams that you have, it's okay for them to happen in this time frame, which may not be right here in front of me. So I want to, what I'm doing with my hands is I'm, I'm making my hands as if they're going step by step by step to, the, to our listeners. It's like step by step by step. It's wonderful to have dreams. It feels aspirational. I just want to let you know that, you know, I'm 57 by a miracle. I can't believe I'm freaking 57 years old. <laughs> and I, when I was 47 and 37 and 27, I wish someone had told me that time can be your friend. There is time for all your dreams to come into play, but not at the expense of your physical health and your mental health and your family's well-being. That is what the time is for now. And you are living 100% success, 100% success if you can be in an okay state with where you are. Don't you think too, I think so much of what we do to ourselves, and I was listening to your um, live Facebook the other day, and you brought up a story about how a Friday night dinner was a tradition and something you put a lot of pressure on doing. And that you would have anxiety over when you couldn't do that. And um, I grew up in a family where my mom did not work outside of the house and she would make a big dinner every night and she cooked and you know she made breakfast and lunch. And so I always, no matter how much I work or how much I do, always felt that responsibility to make dinner. And I think it's probably been, I don't know, probably a month or two months now, but I just came to a place where I'm like, I'm done. Why do I have to be the one that makes dinner? Because nobody likes it and <laughs> they don't want to eat it. And I don't want to eat what they do want to eat. And so um, I finally just said, I'm not doing it. And it was kind of funny because I didn't actually announce that I wasn't going to do it. I just, I started, you know, I kept grocery shopping. I would keep things stocked. But um, I said to my husband about a week ago, I said, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm kind of done making dinner. He's like, Oh, I've noticed, <laughs> but it's been okay. He picked up the pieces and he didn't say anything and everyone's been happy. And so, um, but I let that go. I was like, you know what? Why? I, I have healthy food here. And why do I have to be the one? Just cause I'm the mom. Well, how has that gone for you? Honestly, I'm seriously asking. Fantastic. How has that gone for you? Fantastic. I truly just decided, I used to have, I used to take pleasure in it, but it came where I didn't and mm -hmm. it, it caused stress in my life. And, um, and now, you know, I think it's working out. It's working out. And I think they probably do appreciate when I do, if I ever do Let make it. Let me ask another clarifying question here. Now that you've done this and you're like a little bit on the other side of it, did it all work out okay the way you executed or might you do it differently another time about something else? Might you do, do it, you know, that kind of thing differently? That's a good question. I, I honestly, I don't know. I mean, I do travel a lot. So he, he was already doing a lot of it. And I think it was just, it kind of started slowly that when I was home, it just, 
I didn't want to have to jump in full on. You know, I wanted to be able to also relax and enjoy my kids and hang out with them and not be in the kitchen. And so it's, yeah, to me, and you know, I'm sure it'll change at some point, but for me, for this moment, like that is something I did. I had to let go and it's allowed me to have more time doing things that I get enjoyment out of. Well, Susan, oh, I was going to say, so would you have done it differently? Let me park that question for a second (laughs) and tell you the reason I asked that clarifying question was so we could show you yourself using your own example that that could get done. Okay. So Mm -hmm. for example, there may be other things, you know, like that, that are going on in your life. Maybe it's laundry or maybe it's whatever it is. I don't know. But the reason I ask you that question is for you to become aware, for you to come to consciousness of what, how it all went. Sounds like it went fine. It started organically. I was out of, I was out of town, this and that. Then when I asked him, he acknowledged it. The kids were eating, you know, the food is happening. So I, in my coaching, I use people's own experiences. And I want to say to you to keep this on your mind. Look how it went for you. Look how it went. It all went fine. And when something else is on your mind, bring this back and say, you know, I did do that and it turned out okay. And I could use that experience again. Now, as to the question, how would I do it differently? Well, I didn't do it so well. Okay. <laughs> so <this laughs> at one point, I decided um, to separate out some money. From, from our joint money. Money was always an issue for us because of our upbringings were very different. And so we were fighting about money all the time because why wouldn't we? We came from two completely different ends of the spectrum. And, you know, it's hard to come together when your frame of reference, your whole zeitgeist of being is a certain way. So over time, I decided that I wanted to have some of my own money, mostly to give away for philanthropic purposes. That's really why, because I, I, I just wanted to give money away. I, I don't want to go off on another tangent there. And so I decided to separate out money. And so I did it the other way. I started, I told my husband I wanted to do this. It did not go well because he's a psychologist and he, his experience is that when people start separating out money, it's because they want to get divorced. And so I didn't know that. How could I know that? I'm not a psychologist, right? And so in the end, I real, I learned that that's what happened. But anyway, the truth is every one of us try all the different things, all the different ways. And the reason I asked the clarifying question, how did that work out for you? is so that you so that each of us can know ourselves what works well for us. I like that. I I the reason I asked the question is I like Heather have done things like that. I think I talked about on another podcast where I used to do all these lists when I traveled, like everything for my husband and finally I'm like what am I doing, you know? And it went fine, but I didn't make this big announcement I wasn't going to do it like Heather I just didn't do it. Mm. And there was scrambling and a million texts and calls and things like that, but now it's not this huge stress before I travel. They know, okay, I'm leaving. So my husband knows that's my time to step up. So Mm -hmm. I mean, this for our listeners today, we have people who are listening and saying, yes, but that can't work for me. 
Yeah. They're saying, yes, oh, that worked for her, but that didn't work for me. That I could, that could never work for me. And I'm talking about the woman who's literally doing the laundry, cleaning her husband's underwear and folding it and putting it in the drawer, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. The, and there are listeners who are saying, well, that, that worked, that I could never not make dinner. Mm-hmm. Well, just like you thought you could never not make dinner. Just like you thought you could never in a million years leave without the list. Every woman who traveled, I traveled for work. I know about the list. Now I'm like, see you later. I'll be back in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see you later, honey. But, yeah. but I just want our listeners to understand all three of us, that was us saying, oh, that could never work for me. But yet yeah. somehow it did. Yep. I think it's, I, I love what you, you know, you start off and it's about one of the first things, you know, you're two first and you said being intentional and this year specifically, I think Bev and I, I mean, we started our podcast right at, right at the New Year's Eve and we both, we kind of really declared a lot of things that we were to be intentional about. And I think we both have talked separately offline that it's, made a big effect on us. I think because we publicly announced a lot of things that we were intentional about. Um, just by doing this podcast, we've had a lot of positive people that we are constantly talking with and Bev and I are holding each other accountable. And I think that's one of the things that helped led me to this point is that I decided to put me in a higher priority than I had. And there were times where you had to just say, okay, by me spending a couple hours in the kitchen, just was not putting me first. And I, you know, I, I do, I make them breakfast. I make them lunch. Like I don't have guilt. It's not like I'm not feeding my children. And like I said, there are healthy foods here to choose from, but, um, and you know, I think you just have to come to that place, whatever that is for you to figure out, you know, what, in what places are you going to have to replace what you're doing with something else to make yourself more of a priority to get where you want to be and to find that joy in that place to where you feel better. So I, I love that. Exactly. You know, the idea of setting an intention is the basis of what happened to me. When I said that I just wanted to feel better, I set an intention to feel better. And I want everybody listening to this to realize that's 100% in your control. In the end, yes, it is in your control. Because ultimately, if you can just get okay with where you are, and then you can grow on the okay scale, you can feel okay about this and that and the other thing. And pretty soon you're feeling okay about a lot more and so much better about yourself. But starting with that intention is absolutely foundational. And, um, and you can set the intention of, like I said, I said that affirmation that I said about my marriage was an intention. And uh, it was very specific, very detailed, be detailed. Um, but you can do that about any area of your life. And then you can affirm it and practice it. And it works. Now, people have different learning styles. And so that's why I talk about all the different ways, you know, in my book that you have, um, there's a chapter called Windows to the Soul. Mm-hmm. And so one of the windows to the soul is song. Right. One of the windows to the soul's creativity. So, you know, if you're, if if you don't write, you know, if you don't journal, a lot of people have a blog. Well, I can't journal. I've tried it, you know, or I can't meditate. There's a big one. Why do we meditate? 
We meditate to open and clear and calm and breathe. But if you can't quiet your mind, then go ahead, sing a song, you know, say a prayer, take a walk out in nature. All of those things can also work. But setting the intention is that part where you consciously become aware of your thoughts, listen to what's going on in your mind, and just set an intention to revise and reframe and transform that. And that's what my third book is going to be about. My third book in my Soul Connection series is going to be on affirmations and mindset transformation. I like that you say that your goal was to feel better. It wasn't like, oh, my goal is to, you know, run five times a week to, you know, do this, do that, do that. And that kind of a goal, you're moving in the right direction. What can you do today, a little better than yesterday, to make yourself feel better? Walk for 10 minutes, sit in the sun, sit in nature for 10 minutes, write one page of that book you're dreaming about. So I like that. And there's, to me, there's a sense of relief in a goal like that. Yes. We are goal-oriented people. And Mm -hmm. I bet Um, many people listening to your podcast are very goal-oriented people. I'm all over that. I'm okay with that. You can't hit a goal you don't set, right? And all those things, you know, what is it? You can't strike out if you never get at that kind of thing. Um, But the reality of life, especially life as we know it today, means that if you set something that's unreasonable, unattainable, unmanageable, and therefore unreasonable, then you're going to be hating on yourself for failure. I set myself up now for success. I set myself up for, uh, I set up my clients for success. So here's an example, my business model. I struggle. okay, come on, I'm human. I struggle a little bit with this, but the business model, the online business model, there's a lot of shoulds that you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to do that. Me, I'm just getting online on Facebook Live every day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not doing a lot of other things that you're supposed to be doing. And here I am talking to you guys. So if you give yourself permission to be okay and to succeed, you know, and just be okay in this moment and then okay in the next moment, then it feels so much better. And I used to suffer from the idea of, oh, happiness is overrated. That was me. That was I was known for saying happiness is overrated. I, I don't need to be happy. I don't need to be happy. I'm, I'm, just ha- I'm just okay getting through the day, right? Um, but let me tell you something. I'm here to say happiness is wonderful and joy is not overrated. And so through your breath and through getting control of your thoughts, through using tools, through allowing yourself to be human, you know, have failures and still go on, all these things are ways to feel better. So... I had to, I was loving and I was laughing when I was going through the book and you have a chapter in there saying titled, is it okay to be hot? And I was like, that's so funny. Cause that is our, you know, that's in our opening about, um, how can we feel balanced, but also feel great about yourself, you know, and taking care of yourself. And I love something you say in here is that your goal as an influencer is to transform the meaning of hot from sexy to confident. And I feel like that word confident just goes back to, you know, when you feel okay with something, it means you're, you're confident in being in that place. And that in itself is just, um, a very sexy, appealing 
you know, piece of people. So is, and I got to tell you something for women, you know, in midlife and my whole thesis of discovering you again, you know, when you allow that soul to come out, you're like, yes, I've got a belly. Yes, I've got this. Yes, I've got that or, you know, whatever, but I feel good. And that, you know, transforming the idea of the word hot from sexy to confident is so huge that when you feel confident, your shoulders are back and down. It doesn't matter, you know, your size. You, know, you, you exude this sense of confidence. And all of us know these, you know, well, I am that woman now. God, I can't believe I'm that age. But, you know, I'll say older women, you know, maybe they're 70. Let's talk about 70-year-old women. You know, 70 year old women, where you say, Wow, I want to be like her. So, I really want to talk about this. You know, I have done the same thing with fitness and everything in my life that I did with my goal setting. I no longer have um, fitness goals, although I did set a goal to run a half marathon and I did. My daughter's a trainer and she helped me do that. Now, my goal is to have to live a fit life. So, my goal is to live a fit life. Basically, you live until you die. <laughs> Basically, someday we're all going to die. I happen to believe there's a God, so God maybe knows when I'm going to die. I don't know exactly, but you live until you die. And then on the way, you live. And so working fitness into, into my life every day, that's, that's my goal. Some days it's five miles, some days it's three, sometimes it's this. But that's how I do my goal setting now. I like that. I really think... Um, also talking about the confidence or being hot, it's shown on your face. And I think my kids really see that. It's been a very positive year for me, as Heather was saying, that we've kind of, the people like you that we've talked to, and it's been very motivating and we've taken things into our own lives and I feel it. And I'm hearing compliments from my daughters more like, oh, you look so pretty, your mom, this. And I think it's because in my face, they see that. They see a happier person. It is. So when people say that to me, when people say, oh my God, you look so good. And how did you do that? What did you do? I say, I got happy. That's exactly right. I'm so glad that you know that. And you should talk to your daughters and talk to your sons about it and let them know that this is countenance. This is called countenance. Having a happy, comfortable, confident countenance is where your soul shows herself. That is your soul showing yourself. The reason your daughter is saying, mommy, you look so pretty is because your soul is like, yeah, you know it, baby. <laughs> yes, exactly. This is such an important point. This is why my work is about soul connecting. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. So what would you... Right now, I mean, I, I, what would you say? So you kind of took us through the, the two main things right now, but, um, you know, what would be a big recommendation for you, for women that are out there right now, um, you know, to just, to, to, to take a step today and to do today and to move forward? Yeah. I, I want to say want it, want it, W-A-N-T, want it, and believe that you can I have a, um, a meditation that I just wrote today on my long walk on the preserve called Letting Go. And there's so much about giving yourself permission. And you don't have to give yourself permission, like we were just saying, 
you know, I'm going to run a marathon. No, just say I'm going to get out, like you said earlier, for 10 minutes and walk. But the key is to want more for yourself. If you're in a situation or a circumstance where you're really struggling with real serious bad things that are out of your control, I really hope that you will seek help. For the rest of us, I want to encourage you, take responsibility for yourself in your life. Really take responsibility. It is in the responsibility that you find the control that you seek. You think that you don't have control you thought you had to make dinner. You thought you had to make a list, you know? But it's really when you take responsibility for yourself and life as you want to live it, that is where you find the control. Yeah, and the things do have to change to carve out that time for yourself. And I like to talk about my non-negotiables. And you really have to decide, you know, what is the one thing that if I do this today for myself will make me happier, will make my daughters tell me I'm pretty because I'm happy. <laughs> but I, I think that you can always carve out whatever that is, but you have to make it a priority. Right, right. I want to um, just take one, um, one second on the word have to. Um, although you guys have been good, it's something that I listen for. And so yep. I guess I've been talking more because if I talk to each of you personally, like coaching session, I bet I would hear it a lot more. But there's a tra I create something called transformation tips. And one of my transformation tips is change the words have to, to want to, and go from resistance to alignment immediately. When you leave behind the have to's, when you transform the have to's to I want to, honey, I want to go out and walk for 10 minutes. Can you sit here and read, I want to go out for 10 minutes for my fit life? Then when I come back, I'll hear about your school play, right? Change the words have to to want to and go from resistance to alignment instantly. Mm -hmm. Much more positive. Mm. It, I, it reminds me, I just read a book this week called Atomic Habits. And he, he talks about in that book um, about changing the words from have to to get to. And he brought up in something that just really stuck in my head was there was an example about a person in a wheelchair and somebody said, don't you feel so confined and, you know, restricted in the wheelchair? And the person in the wheelchair responded and said, no, I feel free because if I didn't have this wheelchair, I wouldn't be able to move and to be around and do things. And I'm like, that's such a great, you know, it's just all about how you perceive. And it's so true because if that person wasn't, if there wasn't a wheelchair, you know, then, so he's so thankful. And I, I'm, I, Love that you brought that up again. Um, and I like the word want because that's even better than get to it. It's just right. kind of so want, really changing it. Right. Want is a supplication. It is a prayer. So mm -hmm. if, if you believe in prayer, if you have the faith, you know, want is a supplication. Want is your prayer. Um, I work, I do a lot of work with older people and now my parents are older. My father uses one of those walker, you know, those roller things. And, 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 you know, what you just said is so true. We are so lucky to live in this day and age where we have tools and, you know, supports that can help us to, to, you know, be freer in that way. My mentor, um, is Wayne Dyer. And Wayne Dyer, as I'm sure you're very well aware, says change the way you look at something and the thing you look at changes. 
So in the example right there of that wheelchair, instead of confining, if you see it as confining, you can see it as liberating. And that's a perfect example of that saying. Awesome. I love this. And this has been, this has just been so helpful and so positive. And I hope everyone out there is getting something out of this because we, these are just such good handy tips that we can do to change how we think, because I am so guilty of just like getting into that rut of poor me. And I love these steps. And so I definitely want to make sure that everybody, um, finds your book and knows how to get a hold of you. And so if you could just maybe tell our listeners, you know, where they can find your book, where they can find your Facebook lives and um, all the other great things that you do. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I live on Facebook. Honestly, it's so fun for me. I just sit here. I'm going to go. I have a live at five every day. So my Facebook page is just Susan Axelrod. It's my personal Facebook page. I have more than a hundred videos that you can access for free. There are many coaching videos I get on and I talk to you every day. I do guided meditations. I have a 20 minute virtual Zen retreat that I do online and I'm always there and I love seeing people live. My face, uh, my website is whatwillyourlegacybe.com. What will your legacy be? And on my website is all the information about my coaching services, my speaking engagements, and also my books. You can find my books on my website. They're both available on Amazon. So whatwillyourlegacybe.com. Great. And Susan, I know you know this, but we always ask our guests, what does it mean to you to be brave? I was ready for this question because I've listened to so many of your podcasts. And you know, when you find your signature message or seminal soul message, it is the one that comes up. And I wondered if it would apply here. And I have thought a lot about this. And I really believe that what brave is to me is getting okay with who you are and where you are. Because if you can get, I call this getting onto the platform of okay, if you can just get okay now with who you are and where you are, you can bravely and confidently ascend from there. So if you think of that platform like a diving board, something many people know, if that is your platform, if you can get onto the platform of okay, then you can bravely and confidently ascend to anywhere you wanna go from there. So that is, that's being brave to me. I love it. You too. Thank you so much. This has been such a great discussion. It's been so fun to finally be able to talk live with you and to share. So we appreciate it. And we definitely hope to stay in touch with you. And we'll see you at five o'clock on Facebook. Awesome. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Susan. Take care. Bye-bye.